Alright, so we back this week. We took a week off to let y'all chill for a second. We know we had been dropping some heat, so we gave y'all a week off. But the NBA is gearing up. It's like, I seen it the other day, but I always forget the number. I think it's like 13 games left. Because I seen, not direct, just around before a bit, uh, Portland said if they feel like they're out of it in the last like five or six games out of the 13 that's left, they're going to sit down for the rest of the season. They out of it, sit them. <laughs> but I definitely saw that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, the NBA, it's going to get interesting. Denver had been kind of, I guess as the kids would say, selling games lately, especially with Jokic. And, um, you know, I know him. He says he doesn't care, so I'm going to take his word for it. And the MVP race right now, apparently Joel Embiid has taken over as number one on the MVP board. So, shout out to Big JoJo. And Philly keeping D-Generation X alive. Um, yeah, it's finna get tight down the end of the year. Uh, shout out to the season as of in hand. Shout out to March Madness as well. Shout out to future Pluto Hendricks, of course. But um, Princeton, two big wins in the first round. We ain't college people, so I ain't even finna go that deep into it. <laughs> but Princeton, two big wins. Beating Arizona and Missouri. Uh, Furman putting out Virginia in the first round. Shout out to Tennessee putting out Duke by 10. Anytime Duke lose, I'm happy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah, other than that, you got any thoughts real quick before we get in the intros and whatnot? Just watch Caitlin Clark put out Georgia. Shout out to Caitlin Clark. She a real deal hooper. But, nah, nothing in particular. All right. Let's get to it. All right, bet. With that being said, I'm John W. It's Fresh X. And we are the Hoopers. So, NBA is going to get real interesting. I want to start with the um, Dame clip real with not with the clip, but with Dame real quick because, like I said, Portland said they feel like they're out of it with, you know, half the games left at the end of the season that they're going to sit them. He had some interesting words recently on recently on the J.J. Reddick podcast. I don't know if me and you got to that on here or not. I feel like we, that probably was in the week we missed last week. Um, first, let's start with the, like I said, him sitting out the games, if that's with, you know, Portland basically deactivating him. Looking at the season as a whole, because we can go ahead and call their season right now then. Looking at their season as a whole, they started out hot. Um, Jeremy Grant looked like the great piece. I'm not saying he still doesn't like a good piece that they can help build with next year, but he's a free agent. Anthony Simons, he looked like it was worth trading CJ last year and giving him, you know, some money over offseason. Big check for him. Um... Yusuf Nurkic, who was in and out a bit this year, like he's been the last couple of years, but he looks like he fits well with them. Uh, Drew Ebanks coming off the bench, providing him with a little bit of shot blocking, another pick-and-roll partner for Dane. Um, Shaden Sharp looking like a good prospect. Maybe we could get more minutes next year. Nazir Little showed a little life this year for Portland. The shot to him. Cam got traded there to trade deadline for Josh Hart, and he kind of showed some life as well in the NBA. Looking at this season, though, not even if they should make moves like move day or not not sign Jeremy Grant back, just, but just looking at this season for Portland. Of course, you don't necessarily want to call it success because they're not going to make the playoffs more than likely, not even to play in. But what would you put – just how would you grade Portland this, this season this year, I guess, with what we've seen so far? With a lot, We got a lot of information in hand with Portland. I give Portland a D mm. for one reason, for one main reason. They kind of play it, and I want to acknowledge Dame did miss some time because of the injury. Right. And then sure. and missed some time. They all missed some time, and that really affected the season. But they sold this season as them trying to make the playoffs, not even necessarily to play in, but trying to make the playoffs, have a, have a formidable team. 
but at the same time, it seems like they were confused as if they want to go a youth route also. Because um, even look at the trades they made at the trade deadline. They traded for two young players, two good players that I like. I like both of them, Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel, but they weren't in the rotation for their other players, for their other teams. Um, and they both been basically starting a lot of games for Portland. But it seems like they're in more of a right, developmental, is this is what we need. So I give them a D because if you're at this point, because it hasn't just been the injuries, I think it's also been the lack of them making moves to push forward. Like getting Matisse and Cam were good moves. But I don't, if you the if good you've moves been getting ready to build around at right. times though. Right, you've been no Dame, you know, you would assume you're gonna make the team a lot better or try to move in a forward place. And not even that they went backwards, but they I guess I would say they did slightly go backwards. They did start out the year hot, they look good. Anthony Simons looked really good this year. You want to see them put it together for a full, healthy season because that goes into it also. You you can average the numbers, but if you continuously miss time, do the numbers really matter? You know what I mean? You you get a rhythm, then you out, and you come back, you got to catch a rhythm again. Not putting an injury, I'm just saying. Just no, yeah, sure. I'm, yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm giving Portland a D. I think this summer they have to decide. It feels like Dame is down to do whatever Portland is going to do. I would imagine, though, if they were going to go on a long rebuild, it it wouldn't even just make sense just for him to be moved, but it would make sense for them also. Um, not It wouldn't just not make sense for him, but it would also make sense for them too. Because if you're going the longer route, you would want to clear up the money. money obviously, that's just the main thing. Not even clear up a roster spot, because I think Dane would be a good vet. Honestly, he would. I think he'd be a good vet. I don't think he would be whatever he would embrace he would embrace embrace it if they wanted him to be a part of it but I just think it would make sense to clear the money Dane you can go out and see what you're going to do um, as far as trying to compete or you go the other route and I'm not even saying to me it's not always just about getting the home run player they don't have to be out this summer searching to see if Kyrie is going to sign back with Dallas just to throw a name out there big name for you I know he don't fit there just putting a name there but making, because you have a piece in Dame, and I believe you have a piece in Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant, they they work together. They all played a, a that's part. A good, that's a good three, right? Right, we saw Jeremy Grant hit a game when they shot him earlier, earlier in the season, where you saw the versatility of the, the lineup of having those two dynamic guards and that wing that we've always thought that they missed. I thought they should have been heavy in trying to get KD. Obviously, maybe they didn't have the assets to get that done, or you didn't want to trade more likely we had to give up Ant, and I don't know if they wanted to do that or whatever, but I don't know who's available this summer, but it's not just about getting one big piece, maybe two really, really good pieces, and then some solid pieces to help build out your bench, because young developmental players, but Cam, Cam Reddish, no matter what people want to say, has played rotational minutes on a playoff team in Atlanta. He never was in the mix in New York. It was never even a reason to make that trade. Whatever. Matisse Thibault has been all NBA defense in this league already. So it's space for them to be winning players now right. while still developing. But I think they really got to search this summer to right, how we complete this team. Because you got a one, the big puzzle piece in the game, and then you still got scoring with Ant, with Anthony Simons and, and uh, Grant. But if you can add a little more power 
Like, you know, maybe it's making him a move, and maybe it's moving off Grant. And you saying if, you know, I just put his name Pascal Siakam. Maybe you try and get him in Portland. Right. That gives you another diamond, dynamic, kind of the same thing that Grant does, but in an all-NBA level. He's been an all-NBA player. He's been an all-star. But he started in the game this year. Replaced big starter, but he started in the game this year. So I put respect on that. 25. He's averaged 25 in his league. Because I'm, I'm imagining if you like the Dame, Anthony Simons Dame, you're obviously going to attack a wing or a big. But I don't know any bigs that are out there. Right. Sure. Because Nurk fits. But if you can move off Nurk to get all-star big, you do that. But who is all-star big? You know what I mean? I can see in Toronto, the past day, they're not doing what they thought they were going to do this year. I think he feels like he gets overlooked having to be a replacement starter. He, he Was he a replacement all-star? No, I think he's been a replacement starter twice, though. Right, right. So I can see him feeling overlooked, but that kind of works there. So just to wrap it up, I just think they got to make a decision as far as like – what, what are we doing? Because now you, you know, moved off of CJ. You're a couple of years removed from consistently being in the playoffs. You know you have Dame's commitment if you want to make that play, whether it's Siakam or another player. So are we going to do that, or are we really, all right, let's look to the future for real. Right, um, sure. And, I mean, a lot of people think this is a draft to have a lot of good players. This is your opportunity to kind of choose where route you want to go, in my opinion. Absolutely. And just uh, speaking before we go, we go to if I go to Dane, comment on uh, JJ Reddick's podcast. But just speaking on the commitment part from Dane, do you feel like that kind of let the front office be a little lax in how they do things? We can hire a young coach like Chauncey Billups. Not necessarily a young coach, but a new coach like Chauncey Billups, because Dame is going to work with him. He's going to be patient with him through those growing pains. We can, you know, trade CJ and hope Anthony Simons can be close to what CJ is, if not better, because Dame is going to wait and help him develop into that. Right. We can, you know, Dame, you know, he he loves Nurk, and he also knows at some point him either him or Nurk is going to be out with injuries. But Dame is so patient. Right. He's willing to wait for his full complement of players to be there. So he's, wow, I'm pretty sure if they ask you, like, yeah, if y'all can make a move happen, whether that's for, you know, getting me somewhere or bringing other players in, yeah, go do that. But do you feel like his commitment kind of makes both both sides lax? I don't want to just put that on the front office, but it makes both sides because they already isn't going to pressure him, but they probably not even going to come to him and, like, you right. know, what do you want to do as well, though? I, I don't even think it makes them lax. I feel like organizations have styles. If you look at everybody, they really have styles. And if you look at Portland's success, they've always kind of drafted or gotten their players young. So I feel like they really believe that's their way. And, and maybe it's a stubbornness. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But I'm just saying if you look at their players throughout the history, Clyde Drexler takes them to the finals. They, they drafted Clyde, right? Like yeah. You draft Clyde, you build up the team around him. Different eras, it's always different eras, but I'm just saying, LaMarcus Aldridge, you get him, he takes you to the success. I mean, Dame takes you to a conference finals. So I feel like that, especially teams that don't get those free agents, know they have to oversell uh, to make, make these trades. And maybe that's what they should do. That's what Milwaukee did to get Drew, to get Drew Holiday. That's what... Minnesota did get to get Gobert, whether you like it or not. Even Cleveland gave up a lot to get these teams that don't. That we've seen the last couple of years, these teams that don't get these players 
have kind of oversold and whether it works out or don't work out you you know you just here for the fences hey whatever let's not whatever but let's see if it works right um and maybe they just been kind of stubborn in their in their ways and that as far as building through the draft also being character conscious because one of the last great teams they also had got named the jailblazers after so many years right. so yeah you you, you want to keep that conscious and just being within the roots of the organization. So I think that plays a part in it too. Like some of these organizations really, you know, people think that they're doing nothing, but they want to try and grow stuff organically. And especially whether it's fool's gold or not, you see the success you have at the beginning of the year and you think like, if we just stay healthy all year, <laughs> we're still in the mix. And you can say they're wrong, but when they look good earlier in the year, they look good. Like Jeff no, Brandt was hitting game with a shots. And yeah, was, like two and one week. And was after 25 and they weren't, it, it wasn't just a first week of the season thing. It wasn't a whole first half of the season, but they were in the playoffs the first half of the season. But, you know, two months into the season, I might be giving them a little more time on it. Portland was still in the top four or five, so they look at that and then Dane gets hurt and you start thinking like, oh, these people don't get hurt. We, we're talking differently and everybody can use that what if, right? But I could, you know, just put myself in their shoes I can see them thinking like that, and it's like we almost got it. We just got to stay healthy, right? And, sure. and and stuff like that. So, um, and especially like I said, just being overconscious too, not trying to disrespect your players or putting them in trade talks with players that you like. I said, I feel like they should have went and get KD, but then let's say you strike out and there's all these trade talks about Anthony Simons, and you don't tell them how much you love them or Jeremy Grant, you know how that and goes, you're working right? out a contract with Jeremy Grant. Now, to keep him, you got to pay him a little more because, hey, we just tried to trade you for KD. Now you're the best wing on the market. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, all that plays a part into it. And then just being luxury tax conscious, stuff that I know people don't want to hear, but it plays a part into the game. Even though Portland is ran by one of the richer franchises, uh, richest franchise, uh, trust family owners, uh, R.P. Uh, owner, but you know, his family trusted and runs the team or whatever. So they luxury tax conscious also. So I think all that stuff plays a part into it. But I think people really undersell how much some of these teams, when they see the success, they're like, man, if we stay healthy, we good. Even, I guess to a flip side to that, to, you know, that's just who they are. Yeah. I guess like you see with the Lakers, that's what they do. Not just not, not traditional, not, but traditionally tra- they the Lakers have a style. Traditionally, you go after those yeah. big name players. Who, has, who so, has the Lakers drafted that the, uh, Magic Johnson? That's Kobe, it. Kobe, uh, James Worthy. They, they didn't draft Kobe. You're right. Trade for they Kobe. Traded they traded Kobe. They did draft James Worthy. James and they drafted Magic. And how did, I would imagine they drafted Jerry. How did they get Jerry West and Elgin Baylor? <laughs> but I mean, they probably called like, "Hey, try typically, <laughs> that, that typically they traded for Wilt." Yep. You signed Shaq, trade for, for Powell, yep. trade for Kareem, yep. trade for Anthony Davis. Yep. Like that's kind of how they've they've done it. I mean, teams that be their style sometimes. That's how it goes. Nah, for sure. But I want. And it'd be funny to see some of those teams too. Like they win better that way. When the Lakers tried to go full development mode, it wasn't working. It was like, all right, let's get rid of these guys. Let's go get this guy. And they won a championship. <laughs> like some teams are developers there. Go-getters and some teams, they need to develop their players you to really fit their culture and no, think yeah. like them, and that's no, how it goes. No, yeah, I definitely go through that. Like I said, Dane was recently on the uh, JJ Reddit podcast. Like I said, I, think, I don't think we had a chance to talk about that on here, but we did talk about it you know, in real life. Uh, he said a couple things I think were interesting. 
I'm gonna paraphrase a lot of it because that's what I do. Some of it I agreed with. I feel like some of it had been a statement that's been made over and over again. Just this season alone, um, one of them was about the NBA. There not being any real vets like how he when he got in the league, like Jared Jeffries and um, Earl Watson when they was on the team. They were, they were both in their forties. Rather they played or not, they had things they could teach them and show them. Which we I think me and you have always harped on since we've started this when it just comes to vets. Other than Udonis Haslam, who's just on Udonis playing, but uh, you know they just showed you, you know, how to do things, how to be an NBA player, how to be a grown man in a sense, how to be an adult, how to be responsible. Because I don't think people think about that as well. And it's like when you look around, you know, he said that's not necessarily the league that he's used to. Um, from one side and the other part of that was saying, you know, how a lot of these players are so individualized with their thinking just as far as contracts and endorsements and just being, you know, it's about me and what now like whereas was him, he wanna see all his teammates get paid. Do you kinda agree with some of that before I move into anything else on that real quick? Just to, like say the individual egotistical part of it, I guess, where it is, you know, these players are coming in younger. There really aren't it like Houston doesn't have any vets. I could be mistaken, but Eric Gordon was their only vet and he was trying to get up out of there from day one. But, you know, Jalen Green, regardless of how we feel about him, is going to get a big payday once it's this time. Uh, Kevin Porter got a decent payday. He didn't get – I'm pretty sure he didn't get the payday. He thought he should have got, but he got a decent payday. Um, and you see that with so many young teams around the league. But do you kind of feel where he's coming from? Even like Memphis, who's been successful with their younger team, but they've paid Jared Jackson already, John Morant. Pretty sure at some point Desmond Bang, Dylan Brooks are both gonna want their money as well that they've felt that they earned regardless of we feel like they've been overpaid or not. But do you kind of feel agree with Dame on, on those sentiments, like just not being enough vets and then like I said, just the individualism when it comes to contracts and whatnot? Right, yeah, I, I definitely agree with the the vet thing has been a talking point for a minute and it's been funny because People have overlooked it because of some people who have been saying it, and they're like, oh, no, nah, he don't want to be a vet on the team. He just want to play. Like if, if Dwight Howard says it or if Carmelo or DeMarcus Cousins says it or something like that, people are going to look at it like, oh, they just want to play. They just want to be on the roster. But some of them, these guys always, always speak to the vets who they had. And their vets were starters at some point, and then they became role players. I do think it happens also because – we have been on this trend now going back basically 20 years to LeBron's year of players really coming out of high school and then you get into the one and done and basically you, you gotta come out after one year uh, now. Um, I listened to Tyrese Halliburton talk about that also on, um, I think he was, on, he was on Knucklehead podcast and he's like, after he's in school two years, he's like, he had to come out because he got, kept getting older. But um, the, the point of that is though, like the vets are even, some of the vets are like young vets. Usually somebody in the early 2000s, 90s, you six years in the league, you might be 30. <laughs> you six years in the league now, you probably 24. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, you, you still can't even rent a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no cap. So uh, the, the vet is different and they are important because it, the vets are going to teach you the, that professionalism, how to navigate through the league, how to navigate through just even life. Like people, and we've all made our jokes about you, Darnell Salomon. People made their jokes about Vince Carter. And that's because he was, Vince Carter was playing, but he didn't ask to play. I, I wish people would like recognize that. Like he, and he wasn't asking to play. He had to play at points, but um, you Darnell Salomon and it gets all, you just holding up a spot. 
But Bam always talks about like when he came there, Udonis Haslam was his vet and he showed him how to move in Miami, how to prepare for a game. Some of these players, you come into the league, you some of these guys, you barely have learned how to work out or exercise for real, live on your own. He was like, he showed him a routine. Like you gotta, how to have a routine every day, how to, so, it hit you to an accountant and reliable people to help you with your money and your decisions and all that type of other stuff that you can get into. Right, sure. Vets are important and they are lacking in the NBA. Um, and I do think a part of it is because of age. Um, I don't think the money is really a problem. As far like ego is there because yeah, you, you, you are getting paid a lot more real quick. Shout out to Derrick Rose. Everybody should be paying him a percent of their check because that's why you're getting paid. It's Derrick Rose. It's why everybody getting paid. And I want everyone to know that. Um, but they are getting a lot of money, a, a lot of money real quicker, a lot quicker. But I just think it's the fact that the vets are young vets. Like there's people on these teams that are seven, eight years into the league, but they're barely 26. So it's like, you do have a lot of NBA life experience, but that's that is your life experience is what you got in the NBA. You don't have the college experience where you was there two, three years, let uh, alone all four years. Like if you stay in college for four years, you're not even getting the end of a bench spot nowadays. So, like that's reserved for the overseas players. Right. So that's where some of those vet spots went to also is getting a, a young developing player who you probably not even gonna use or a salary dump or whatever. So I think the vets is, definitely more of an issue um, and you see it on these teams who I mean even look at some of the stuff in Memphis um, honestly when the does gets a little too loud before like when you when you when you're loud once you've like won it's like really nothing you can say but when you get too loud before you really kind of accomplish that is where you need you had a vet to step in and even just some of these other teams that have you know the inside turmoil they all needed some vet. Boston needed that type of figure for a while. You see, they brought Al Horford back that kind of calmed some stuff down. I felt like, honestly, I think some people kind of overlooked having him on the team, getting him back on the team, how it got them back on track. And, and he played. Sometimes you need a vet that's going to play also. I don't think there's nothing wrong with having a vet that's also on the court um, or whatever. But, yeah, I definitely think vets are a big uh, issue in the NBA. There are right. more players. Um, need because they, they have all the outreach programs and stuff like that, but that stuff you, you go to it one time and then it's over with your vets with you every day. So, everybody always speak to oh, yeah, he was my vet. And like I said, back then, this dude might have been 10 years into the league, he got a, he got a wife, he got kids, <laughs> like he really got a routine because he got a schedule to stick to, and it's something as simple as that. That no, for sure. gets you on track. No, for sure. And then the other thing he was talking, speaking on on there was another part of the NBA he didn't recognize was basically how it was kind of how it's kind of covered, where it's about just winning rings, the you know what have you done for me, the awards, accolades. It's not necessarily about the journey, but it's always go straight to the end goal and the end game of you know what did you what did you accomplish not even necessarily the all-stars and all nbas but mvps finals mvp uh, um, final championships things like that and then the other thing he said that i thought was interesting even just kind of speaking on to that was like you know even if he wins this you know if he even if he wins a ring 
when he's really done, like nobody's gonna actually think about him. And and this is an honest thought on that. Before I even got here, I remember um, Oscar Robertson Dangers came up because it was most players with most 30, 10, 30 points, 10 assists game. He has James Harden by like 120, 23 or something with 227. <clears throat> and I had to really think about it. Shout out to the people who do speak on them and who do respect their games and who do know these players. But nobody wasn't speaking on Oscar Robertson, who also has a championship and MVP. He, they, he wasn't the player you just spoke on unless it was something very specific to what he did until Westbrook was getting close to breaking his record. Yeah, look how easy nope. they was ready to slide him out of the top ten every year. Oh, yeah, like, he's You don't think about those players, and I've said that before, even about like Bradley Bill to where if he goes somewhere he does win a ring, that doesn't shift his NBA legacy you know, any much, any more than it up where is that? Like he's probably because that's probably all he's gonna ever get is a ring. No disrespect to him saying he not saying he can't, but that's probably will be it. He goes somewhere else, he's gonna win get a ring because he's probably gonna be a second star or his production might dip just a bit to where it's like it's not MVP like. Do you kind of feel where he's coming from with that just like you know we're not the average fan or media member isn't gonna think a dang when he's done regardless of what he do in his career? Yeah, somewhat I really just think the main thing it is, it is just weird, like, how it's covered. And we all know the ring culture, the ring talk really came from the LeBron-Jordan debate. I feel like that's where it really started and really took off. Whichever side you on on that. Yeah, whichever, yeah literally, whichever side you on, whether it's the going to the most finals or it's the not winning in the finals. And I feel like it all just supposed to play a part into it. Um, I, I've definitely been big on the last few years of saying, like, how players – not just players, the players, the fans, the media, you hear it on TV about the regular season not mattering. And every time one of these teams say it, they slip up and don't <laughs> advance in the playoffs. I've even seen some people say that this year about some teams. They can be like, oh, yeah, they can be six seed and they're going to make it to the finals. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> it's happened once in NBA history, once or twice maybe for a reason. And the New York Knicks being the eighth seed and going. That was a fluke because they weren't supposed to be the eighth seed. Yeah, it was a, a short season, blah, 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 whatever. I think winning championships matter, especially when you're talking amongst the best. But it's not the only thing that winning championships is not the only thing that matters. Your stats is not the only thing that matters. How your game looks isn't the only thing that matters. It all, I feel like, just plays a part. And I think sometimes the how it's covered can, especially if you get sucked into it, because, I mean, everybody's on social media, and I know I'm big on trying to filter what I got on my timeline, even to the point that I don't even, I don't even follow people that's going to have, like, some super negative stuff that I don't want to see. I don't care about no y'all won't even follow you, honestly. But every once in a while you do see the talks and you just look at all the comments and everyone's talking. It's like, dang, do people really feel like this way? <laughs> really think because this and that, that means that, and this don't matter and that don't matter. And, oh, he never accomplished nothing, which, I, I mean, I think it's pretty big that he has made it to the country. But what's this, the thing he has uh, for Dane? Yeah, uh, like, Ricky, Ricky at the year. No beard. And a nail beard. It's yeah, like... like. He's they skip over the All-Stars and All-NBAs, and that was his point about the journey. Like, his <laughs> journey is enough that when Dame retires, he's going to the NBA Hall of Fame, and he's going to deserve it, whether he wins a championship or not. He's one of the best players ever, whether he wins a championship or not. Not having a championship is why I would say that Dame is not the best player ever, 
but that doesn't mean that he can't be one of the best ever and even better than some players who have championships. It's it's all right. But when he is done, like you said, I, I feel like Oscar Robinson is probably the most he's probably the most forgotten superstar in NBA history. So they're not gonna be talking about Dane when he's done, honestly, whether he wins or not after this point in. That's why I like that his response to that was I stay grounded because he has a real life. He got family and he's kicking <laughs> with his friends and like and it's just that simple. So um, a lot of it has become you know clickbaity and engagey and mm-hmm. yeah, you're on social media for engagement. Obviously, you're on these networks and these podcasts and media sites for engagement, but. I just feel like you got to have a good mix of engagement, intellectual conversation, and real conversation. And everything don't just got to be black and white or robotic. Um, so that's definitely how it has, has gone. The whole journey definitely still matters uh, to me. I, I still like to see somebody have put together like a really great season and then have the success in the end also. And even if you don't, I mean, only one team win every year. so. Everybody's a loser, I guess, all the time. Right. <laughs> for a while, it was only like for the last couple years, all these new teams that won. It was only like six teams that had won over like thirty years at one point. And it was like the Lakers, the Bulls, Celtics, the Pistons. It was like the Spurs. They were like the only team with championships in the last like twenty. Like. Yeah, because it, yeah, it was Boston. Of, it was Boston, Houston, L.A., Chicago, Spurs. Then Dallas and Miami snuck when in there. When they snuck in there, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> that was it. That's why you got to respect the journeys. Respect the dynasties while they're there. Respect the dynasties while they're there because they're rare. And respect the players that you get to see. No, for sure. Everybody, everybody's great. They ain't going to be the player that in 20 years. They're like, oh, damn, living. You wedding. And they like, dang, was an all-star. What are you talking about? Oh, he. Blah, blah, blah. When the players are averaging 50 a game because it's going to be normal. <laughs> Cause it's gonna be four point <laughs> shots. That's twenty twenty. That's twenty eighty five NBA. <laughs> so, uh, nah, nah. I, definitely, I get what you mean. You know, like I, said, I also get what he mean. Cause it's always just a thought. I'm pretty sure a lot of players feel like that as well. But just to get back on this regular season. Yeah, if you reduce, if you're gonna reduce Dame to championships, yeah, you're not gonna care about him when he retires. And that's your fault. You are gonna miss out. Cause I'm gonna go back and watch him knock Houston out in the playoffs a couple times. <laughs> Right, like man, watch got, the OKC game. Like he got, man, got classic stats, classic games. Dame is a top ten point guard all the time. No championship. No championship. Wherever you put him in that top ten is on you. But he he might be number ten, but Dame's top ten. It ain't ten point guards as of today. And I put my name and take all the slander on that as of today, March nineteenth, twenty twenty three. There are not ten point guards in NBA history that are mm-hmm. better than Damian Lillard. With no championship, so mm. you lucky he don't got two, three championships. Cause he'd probably be top five, top three. So, for sure, Put ten, stamp I don't on. care who your ten is. Dame is in there. Put he can be number ten. He's top ten. <laughs> but speaking of players who might potentially win the MVP this year, we got Joel Embiid, who, like I said recently, climbed it, climbed into that first spot. 
he just passed Iverson and Wilt Chamberlain. I think it was most consecutive 25-plus point games. Mm. He has nine. They both have eight. Mm. They're climbing the standards every day. I think I don't know how many games they won in a row, but they've really been winning yeah, more. They had eight in a row. They've been winning more than they've been losing, especially in this part of the season. Just to see how effective they've been, how locked in JoJo's been. He, I don't even think he's missed a game in this part, this half, this you know, this part of the calendar year of the season. But just to see where they're locked in, how focused they are. They made a great trade, upgrading from Matisse Stiebel, who's a really good defender, to Jalen McDaniel, who's also a really good defender and can defend multiple spots as well off the bench. Everybody seemed to settle into what their role is on the team and what they need to do to help this team be successful. Do you think this is the year Philly and Joel and B can put it together to not only help, you know, JoJo win his first MVP, but also at least see Philly get to the conference finals this year? Oh uh, yeah, I think this year was the year for Philly to make a run to the conference finals. If not, even the NBA finals, but definitely they have a good chance. I said this uh, maybe two, three, four episodes. I don't think. Joel and B gets enough credit as having the opportunity of being the best player in the NBA. Like, hmm. if somebody told me they thought he was the best player in the league, I wouldn't be mad at him. Um, really, you know, you got you got James. He's doing his role as a point guard. He's leading the NBA in assists. Maxi is healthy um, and hooping. And then, I mean, you just being led by Joel and B, who's been. He's still leading the scoring, I believe, right? He's still, I think so. Yeah, he's at the top of the league in scoring. Philly has the top three defense in the league. That's why, like, if he wins MVP, he's earned the MVP this year. That's why the race is never over until it's in the end. It's funny that it's come down to these two, three years in a row. I do think it's, it's Joel and, and Jokic again. Mm-hmm. But um, I think he got a good chance of winning, and he would have earned it if he, if he won it. And... Philly should be thinking, and Milwaukee's super hot right now, so you, you know, Giannis probably has a little conversation for the MVP also, but they've been hot even when he was out some games, so. Um, but I think Joel is not just looking at getting his first uh, regular season MVP, but first finals MVP also. So I think Philly got to, you get in the series, you're going to have to beat them, you know, four, four times. Right. It's going to be tough. No, and just speaking on uh, that, you say he doesn't get enough enough credit as maybe having his name. You don't really talk about him as the best, best player in the league. league. Right? And this is would be somebody like say if he does hold it up, two straight scoring titles. No, yeah, two yeah, straight, two straight. Two, two straight scoring titles. What could possibly be an MVP season? Of course, they're gonna speak on him not going to at least the conference finals and whatnot. And since we played a what if game, if he wouldn't have got hurt two years straight. He'd be potentially getting his third straight MVP. Cause he had he he should he could have won both of them MVPs. Both of them. But just looking at Especially not last year, the year, the year before, before. That was really his. Last year, Jokic, he he did his thing. But that first one, right. MVP that was supposed to be MVPs. No, right. And like I say, I, I honestly do think that there is a conversation for that, him being the best, especially because it just seems to change with the direction of the win. Like, for the first half of the season, a lot of people would have said Jokic, especially because Milwaukee wasn't necessarily going crazy in the standards like that. Then Milwaukee basically go undefeated in February at the end of uh, January. Now people say, oh, don't forget, you got to put that name back, that respect back on Giannis, too, as the best player in the league, which is fair. But I feel like 
because maybe because JoJo doesn't have the hardware, just you know, just MVPs because Jokic doesn't have a championship either, hasn't been to a finals, but just not having those MVPs when he's also been a defensive player of the year candidate as well. Mm-hmm. I think they're, I think that's the only thing that that's why people don't want to put it there because how I guess how can the best player in the league not be an MVP or a recent MVP winner in some way, but I don't think that's necessarily fair to the narrative that he's been building for himself as a player not even just over the last two years but even going back three four years ago when him and Ben Simmons were clicking and they were the number they were number one seed or he was just coming you know 27 and 11 being a being a defense player of the year candidate all NBA all defense I think there is something there that should be like we should be saying Joel Embiid as a top player. I only think people really even try to like put him in the top three to an extent. So it's like I think Joel might be the best player in the NBA. He's probably the only person I would concede it to over Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant not healthy enough. I don't and want then have- you can't like you said Joel. I mean he's he's been some games this year, but he's healthy. Right. Yeah, he out there. Right. And that's what the only thing that really was holding him back. And it's like he I- out there, they win. <laughs> No, this fact and Joel Embiid is one of the players who is like, it's not even just his numbers. It's just even the way he plays. I don't even I don't want to get into this conversation right now because I feel like this is a conversation on its own. But you are right when you look at the numbers, the numbers alone, raw numbers, advanced stats, whatever you want to give them, blah blah blah. Offensively and defensively, and defensively. he's that he's him. You look at his skill set as a player of his size, being almost seven what seven one, right. north of two fifty. Quick feet, soft feet, touch by 280. 280. Shout out to 280. <laughs> but quick feet, can move his feet, soft feet, touch around the rim, touch on the jump shot from the midi or from the three point line, crossover, can step back. I don't necessarily care that he can do that stuff, but he can do that stuff. Yes. There isn't a post move. That's outside of the sky hook, which I've never seen him shoot, but he probably can shoot it. But there isn't a post move he can't do. Nope. He's gearing towards being the second best scoring offensive center ever. That's where he's going towards. Who you got number one? Well, mother Chamberlain. Yeah, scoring wise, I feel you. Cause I was this would be his second scoring title. So that even just having two starts putting you in. We've had this conversation many times. Just starting, just getting two is hard. Like pause. People don't win two scoring titles. No, the facts. Like, they don't. Only so many got two. Only so many. It's a handful, four. half three, and only like three people have four. Because yeah, once you get, you know, once you start getting into three, because. What is Cole? Uh, Shaq got his one. Kobe got what? Two? Do we have two or three? T Mac has two. James Harden has three. Does Kobe have two? I think, I think Kobe, Kobe got one. Nah, he got more than one. He got, he got more than one. You're right. I think he, he has two. two. He got two. I think he has two. Iris and Hawks for. I just know the only people before is Iris and KD and George Gerben. So. Elgin Baylor. Elgin no. had four? Yeah. 
So or does he do that? No, even, Ellis Bradley even to have two. Having two is tough. That's like it would be him, T Mac, Kobe. Cause I'm a Steph. Steph has two. Westbrook. Westbrook has two. It's like ten people. It's, it's not a lot. I know that sounds like a lot. You like ten people got two. That's a lot. Like no, it's not. Ten people have two scoring titles. It's not easy to do. It may be like it's definitely no more than ten. It might be like seven. We have, we have to look at that some other time. Yeah, but, yeah, I ain't yeah. gonna pull it up now. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. So that just winning this segment alone, though, my whole point puts him in to to show how it's not blas- blasphemous to say he's gearing towards being the second best scoring big man ever. No. That don't even just count the, the moves or whatever. But people, you got to go really watch Will. He had moves too. So I'm putting respect on the dipper because he, he, no, for he sure. dipping on the court. For sure. He did some dipping. But now, nah, even just, and with that being said, because I want to end it right here too because it's not something we usually even get, get into. But we've seen how Shaq has talked about Embiid, whether he's just being... Average more than Shaq, baby. Whether he's just being overly critical or he just doesn't necessarily respect the way that JoJo plays because he does get He gets on JoJo for shooting jump shots and not just punishing players in the paint. Like, when you can do more than one thing, you're going to do more than one thing. I ain't saying Shaq can't, but when you can do more than one thing, you're going to do more than one thing. But do you think winning an MVP would get Shaq off his back a bit? Nah, it's gonna have. It's gonna mainly be the championship. Mainly be Once he won the championship, he can't say nothing, cause he, you know, he's gonna be Finals MVP. Right. Um, sure. But I think it's more, more of the championship that would do it. Okay. More than anything, I okay. think MVP helps. But even though you got the MVP, which you didn't win championship, they was always on me until I won a championship. Then after he win one, but you only got one. I won three in a row. So he gonna have to keep winning either way, but he gotta at least get one. No, I feel you. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Speaking of Durant, him and his, you know, the Durant list, Phoenix Suns have really climbed the standards. I think they're sitting in fourth place right now. Ten people have two scoring titles. Ten have two. Six have three. Three have four. Two have seven. Two got seven. One has seven. My bad. And uh. Then of course Jordan got ten of them things. He by himself. Mm. Yeah, that just ten people with two. Kareem, put some respect on Kareem name. My bad, Kareem. My bad, Cap. Kareem, Paul rising. People be hating on Paul. Kobe, Steph, Adrian Danley. We just said we weren't gonna do this, but he did it anyway, right? (laughs) I I knew it was ten people. Adrian Danley, Trace McGrady, Shaq has two. I didn't realize Shaq had two. Bob Pettit. Russell Westbrook. So, and B would make it 11. 11 people ever. Mm. But yeah, we done with that. Oh, sure. That's that's still rare to get to. Oh, right. Especially with 11, all of them. To be the 11th person. To do that ever? No, yeah. Fact. Shout out to Adrian Dantley, though. But even not for him with Utah, but just him in general. Shout out to nobody in Utah. But no, yeah, Phoenix have climbed the standards. Of course, like I said, their whole team is healthy. They figured out rotations that worked. Uh, Josh Okogie has been a big part of that, especially as a wing and, you know, guard defender. The, um, Devin Booker has really been out there healthy. Haven't heard, heard much from DeAndre A. Haven't heard his name, but if Phoenix is playing good, that means he's playing great. KD's out for the rest of the season. I know it ain't much season left. But do you expect 
the Phoenix to be able to take advantage of maybe like some young. Do you expect Phoenix to win not only win their first round, but be able, maybe be able to take advantage of a team like Denver once they add KD? Yeah, I think honestly, uh, I'm saying Denver because Denver is the holding the one seed right now. They're holding the four seed, so they would be right second yeah, round match. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like they'll be okay. Um, do they think KD gonna be back for the first round? I don't know. Oh yeah, so first round might be tough. He get Clippers first round. I think you got KD. You go in that series, but I think they they're fine with KD. We saw what they look like with him. I've already said it. I said it one time, most pluggable superstar in NBA history. He can that is a compliment. Any team. People try to diss him, but that is a compliment. No, yeah, no. He can play on. I'm just saying his game fits with anybody because he he is him, and him can play with anyone. Like he fits, and then of course, I think everyone just has the game to fit with what they're gonna do. Like DeAndre Ayton hasn't been featured his whole time there, so he's not gonna all of a sudden start expecting more shots or more paint touches or whatever. Chris Paul is obviously a pass-first point guard. Devin Booker isn't a dom- – he, he gets his shots up, but he isn't a ball-dominant too. He plays off the ball. Um, so I, I, I think it fits perfectly, and then he fits into your schemes defensively. He's not a defensive player of the year candidate like Mikael Bridges, even though he should be at times. Um, but he's, he's going to make their defense just as good, honestly. Um, you could say he's slightly more versatile because he's seven feet, so that gives you some more – Real protection, so I think they're fine. And also, they said how you know he. I've never seen nobody return to games like him, where is it just off top, you know, twenty points per game, efficiently. Um, it gets tighter, more physical in the playoffs or whatever. So, but I think they he you know he fits in perfect. I think Phoenix still have a chance of going around and winning the championship. I said healthy. I couldn't see too many teams beating them. I said actually healthy. I can't see anybody beating them. I still believe that, but healthy is key. Um, I don't think Phoenix is going to the championship without Kevin Durant healthy. But even with him missing the rest of the regular season and being traded for the trade deadline and only playing three games, if he's healthy, I think Phoenix has a good chance to go to the NBA Finals. Monty Williams is a really good coach. Mm-hmm. You have the most important players there from that championship run, and not that Mikael and Cam weren't important. The most important players on that team is Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. You add Kevin Durant, the bench is still solid. I think if he's healthy, they got a chance to go to the finals. It's not going to be easy, but they can do it. No, I definitely agree with that. Not, it's never going. It's never easy. I don't care who the team is, besides the 72 or 10 Bulls. But it's never easy. And this year, I feel like it's been said a lot this year. This year could be a wide-open year for any team to win it. There's no real powerhouses. The Phoenix, honestly, fully healthy. Milwaukee and Boston look like really. And not even Boston. Boston's really been slipping lately. Like, I feel like Boston, not necessarily gotten lax, but they've definitely not haven't been able to keep that intensity switch all the way up. And it's not off. It's just not as high as it was for, like, the first, you know, 40 plus games of the year like they've let Milwaukee call them and Milwaukee kind of has a third place now they in, th- oh, they in third now yeah, yeah they definitely in second and that was always the go be the question with Boston I'm gonna get to Boston in a second though but no, everybody looks like they can be a winner this year not everybody but a lot of teams like they can win it this year or just even go and compete would you be surprised if a random team won this year say a Denver or a Phoenix or a Philly who's random they ain't won the championships in Dr. J. Ain't been one since Iverson. 
Um, hell, even Sacramento, who's in third place, I know a lot of people's gonna count them out because they're a younger team, but they like we gotta stop just we gotta stop just talking about a team being young. Don't they just automatically they can't win or whatever, can't advance in the playoffs, especially when nobody's overly dominating at this point in the year. Like I don't like they would get. They win their first round matchup. Memphis win their first round matchup. That's second round. Are you really? Is it really? Does Memphis really just scaring you against Sacramento? No nah. disrespect to either team. Nah, nah exactly. So it's like, is this? Because of course, with Golden State was winning championships, everybody was parody this, parody this. Like they really care about parody or whatever. But do you think? Because you don't necessarily hear those claims anymore, A, because you don't have that one dominating team. But do you think this is would be a satisfying year if one of those random teams won this year? Or even if Milwaukee repeated? Because it would just nice be nice to see a team show some kind of continued dominance. Maybe Milwaukee does it in a San Antonio Spurs-esque type of way. Right. And I do think Milwaukee has a good, really great chance to win this championship again this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was somebody different, somebody else's turn. And I feel like if it is somebody else's turn, it's really going to come down to Phoenix or Philly. Mm. Um, Phoenix has to have health on their side. But Philly, they've gone on a couple of different little eight-game win streaks. And I just think when they're playing at their best, it's literally nothing you could do to stop Joel and B, and then he's gonna bring the intensity defensively. Also, he just really can't say that about a lot of people. Sacramento, I don't think they make it to the finals this year or the conference finals, but I don't think like earlier in the year I said if they got certain matchups, I feel like maybe they they're the team that you want to try to pick on in the playoffs. And I can see why you would think that, but right. sure. they've done a key thing to me. Usually those teams fall off after the All Star break; they just keep winning, and they have. They haven't been to the, play, the playoffs, but they have more veteran players. They have a championship coach. They have a championship player on their team mm-hmm. that's actively playing. Kevin Hurd has been to the playoffs. He's been to the conference finals. He's advanced. Mm-hmm. Sabonis has been to the playoffs. The only person that hasn't been to the playoffs is uh, De'Aaron Fox. Um, yeah. Because yeah, Malik Monk, yeah. Malik Monk has even been in the playoffs. Um, so... I, I do think Sacramento has you, you don't have to take them seriously uh, in the playoffs this year it's not going to be easy and then you know their fans are they, Sacramento in the playoffs is crazy right that's always a good atmosphere so but you know I think it's gearing up for Philly to have a good year um, but Milwaukee is definitely going to be they're going to be tough to, mm-hmm. to beat do you give Denver not that if you do you give Denver any chance but I think we've said this. I don't know if we said ask this, talked about this on here or not before. But do you give, you know, Denver a high chance of going to the final? Not do they have a chance to go, but do you think this is a year where the high probability of a team coming out of the West goes to Denver? Yeah, I think Denver's thinking championship. They've been the best team in the West all year, um, or at least thinking NBA finals. I think Denver is, if they make it to the finals, It'd be such a release that they probably, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost in like five games. But I think Denver, they should be thinking, get to the finals. Everybody's healthy. Jokic is averaging a triple-double, possible three-time straight MVP. Um, Michael Porter's having another insanely efficient season. He's averaging like 17 points on like 11 shots a game, 12 shots a game. Um, Jamal Murray has shown that he can still be that player for them. 
Aaron Gordon got some all-star talks. I know he didn't make it, but he got some all-star talks. They were, and they were legit. When you see what he's providing offensively and defensively, facilitating, scoring, dunking on people, guarding people. Uh, Aaron Gordon's had a really good year. I think Mike Malone's a really respected coach. Solid bench. Um, like I always like having players like KCP on the team. Bruce Brown has clearly taken another step, but you got him on there, out there too. I think Denver got a good chance again. The West is, as they say, wide open this year. Um, they got a good chance to get to the finals. I think they got a real good chance to get there. No, that makes sense. Like I said, I do think this is the best team that Mike Malone has had while he's been under Denver there. Good bench. Like, it's not just like, oh, we got one or two players we can count on off the bench. They have multiple players who come in and provide them with good offensive and defensive minutes. The KCP and Bruce Brown being basically a backup wings as defenders. And, you know, KCP as a shooter, Bruce Brown as a slasher. I think that gives a lot of versatility to what you can do on offense, especially with Jokic as a centerpiece, as a score facilitator, facilitator type, excuse me. Like I said, Jamal Murray, who although he hasn't been an all-star, he's shown for Denver, he can be there, he can be a go-to perimeter player. You have Michael Porter, who's probably the CEO of Let It Fly Records, who has never seen, not only has he never seen a shot he didn't like, he's never seen a shot that he was going to miss. Because he don't miss. Which is really scary when you think about it. And then, like I say, just players like Jeff Gray coming off the bench as well to provide them with mm-hmm. minutes and whatnot. Oh, the Boston Celtics. I don't know if you have you seen the recent comments about Jalen Brown? Uh, about the fans? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. But over to Boston, who, like I say, for the most part of the year, they were the first seed, commanding first seed. Of course, like I say, now third place, Philly and Milwaukee has hauled them down. Milwaukee being in first place, Philly in second place. Um, Joe Mazzulla, a couple weeks ago, right after the All-Star break, basically got, you know, full-time head coach. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, probably going to be all NBA players this year. Jason Tatum will be somewhere in the MVP candidate, top six or seven players. Marcus Smart, all defense, probably be up there, top five, top six defensive player of the year again. What is it about Boston that it seems like they get to these highs? Not saying they can't repeat it this year and go back to the finals or back to the conference finals, but it's like, even if they can repeat it, they can't push through. Of course, we saw them all those years go to the conference finals and couldn't push through, and then they took a step back a couple times, getting put out in the first round and whatnot. Then they go back and they go to the championship that last year, and now they're, in a, they're not in a bad position where they can't go, but I don't think you want to give Milwaukee or Philly home court advantage in a possible series against either one of those teams. What is it about this mix of Boston Boston players, just the team in general, that's just like – because even this year, while they were dominating, they had bad losses in the midst of a 10-game win streak or they've won 12 out of – they've won 9 out of 12, but it's like their three losses is 20 to Orlando, 15 to Orlando, and then like three to Miami. What is the main thing with Boston this year? Because – you can't. I don't want to put it on coaching because Joe Mazzulla's done a great job. Whether it's his game plan or even I mean Udoka, who was you know let go really in the middle of training camp. So it's like, what could Joe Mazzulla really switch up, honestly? But what is it about Boston where it's just like they're not consistently intensity on a thousand to where they're ready to where they're loop to where they're holding on to the first place spot and even just the best record in the NBA at this point, which they don't have anymore. 
He always get injuries at weird times, inconsistencies from the role players. Like Grant Williams was playing great until the contract talks came out, and people start talking about him making what was it, twenty, 20 billion, billion a season. Mm-hmm. And he, I feel like he just hasn't had the same season since that moment has happened. And I just think that sometimes too. I know Jason Tatum has taken this step, but for me, and he's having a great year, but it's just certain games where when he have bad games, I feel like he have them at kind of like the worst times for them when they really need him. Not to put the dog on Jason Tatum, but, I mean, you know, he's the best player on their team, so it's going to go there. But I just feel like they have those inconsistencies at times when you're just really not supposed to have Like you say, the losses to Orlando, and these were the times when they were – like figuring out the point guard situation, Markel was just getting back into the lineup, tight losses or whatever. It's like you shouldn't lose these games, especially as a championship contender. Those are the games you don't you don't lose, um, especially when you got that razor sharp focus. So, All right. I just feel like they just have the inconsist the inconsistencies at, at the worst times, um, bad games at the worst times. Jason Tatum will pop up and have an eighteen point game when they really need him to. Thug out a 23-point game or whatever. Right, sure. Um, even if it's just getting to the free throw line for a couple more points or whatever. Taylor Brown gets the random injury. Now he's out. Then he like he's wearing the mask. Marcus Smart, you know, he, his inconsistencies with his shot. Derek White missing time. Robert Williams, he's out now with a hamstring. Ever since mm-hmm. his, his knee, you know, feel like they rushed him. I don't feel like he should. I don't want to, my bad. I don't want to say that I don't you, feel like you can't. I, yeah, you can't know for sure. But since he came back early from that knee, he has hurt that knee again, and he's had other lower extremities. Like my bad. I don't want to say I feel like he's, I, he's like, out right now with a hamstring, and it's well known that when you have those injuries, you start pressing in other areas. So that just is what it is. Right. You can't say for sure, but not putting it on he, nobody. All his injuries. If I'm not mistaken, have been lower extremity injuries. So, and for a player like him who is, oh, he he depends on his athleticism as a rim protector and an over the rim finisher. Honestly, like right. not saying he can't add other things to his game, but as a six seven six eight power forward center type, who usually those players usually aren't athletic like that. Like Ken Freed at the end of the day had long arms. The um, What's, my, what's the other one name? Well, I can't think of his name right now. But those players, usually they have a lifespan in the NBA. And once you get one injury or show you can't adapt one time to one thing, you, you know, it's hard to keep you on the lineup now. And I don't want that to have to rob a wedge because he's still a young player. And it seems that he's, from the outside looking in, he's overcome some alleged immaturity issues that he's had, you know, early in his life as a teenager going to college, from college to the NBA and whatnot. But... I also think him not being in the lineup makes their defense that much different because right. of what they do defensively with him. With Al Horford as, I guess, the mouth of the back piece and then him as the protector back there. Like, he's the actual – he's the product and Al Horford is the smart guy. Right. not saying that he isn't smart defensively as well, but Al Horford ain't meeting nobody up. He can, Al Horford will meet you at the rim. He not meeting you above the rim. Right, yeah. And Robert Williams will meet you above the rim. But hopefully Boston gets it back together. Like, so they have two really great wing players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who can do it offensively and defensively. But to go over to Jalen Brown, his recent comments about 
And he said, I think he said it as perfect as you can say it, and people still find the problem with it on Twitter, probably in real life. He said, not all fans, but there is basically a section of fans who are racist, not only towards visiting players, but home players. He's heard those statements towards him as well. And I always, I want to put this the right way without sound like I'm going overboard with it. But I hate when people dismiss that stuff. Like, I've seen a couple of people on Twitter, I've seen somebody say, well, they make it mean comments or they make it mean racist comments. Like, take this. I don't care if you are a Boston Celtics uh, beat writer, lifetime fan, media member, whatever, and you got a twit. Like, if that man say that it's a section of that fan base that is racist, Bill Russell says it's a section of that fan base that is racist. If Marcus Smart says it, if all these players say it, we ain't saying you got to be proud about it, but don't deny it and try to gaslight these players and what they go through for real, though. Like, that's not cool. That's even worse. Like, that's you denying racism and that section of racism is just as bad as those racists because you don't even want to address it, especially when it's a player... Like, this is a, not a visiting player who comes there twice a year or have been there, like, five times in his entire NBA career, but he's there 41 times a year for the most part. Like, exactly. He hears it. Exactly. And they've said, we heard Marcus Smart talk about how he felt it off the court um, or whatever. So you can't discredit what they're saying. And to, turn, to take it to that is not holding everybody accountable because this is your way of one of your players saying that you can fix it in-house. Call out the fans that are doing it. Call out the part of the base that are doing it. Show that you're not going to tolerate it. But going back at it, it's going to allow it to keep going. And that's because they're proud of it. Boston, we all know Boston is a racist city. It's up there with Utah and Milwaukee. Who else you got? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. They, they, they up there. They, they, they at the top. So. It is what it is, and Jalen Brown, I appreciate him speaking on it. Um, is he still the PA president, or he was the vice president? He was vice president um, last time he I saw be the, He should be the Players Association president. I feel like maybe he don't have enough tenure to be that yet. All right. um, but it's good that, that he's speaking up about it. Um, and Boston fans should hold the racist Boston fans, the non-racist Boston fans should hold the racist Boston fans accountable. And the ones who are speaking out against what he has encounter are probably on the, the the racist side of it anyway. All right. It just wasn't even a turn that today. I just it's like it's the one is if it's not a twice a year story, it's a once a year thing that comes out, whether it's a visiting player or a player that plays there. And I feel like if it's a player that plays there, maybe y'all should hear out what he's saying and not be so quick to they're just saying mean things. Like no, because they probably end up being racist. They probably saying some stuff that you yourself will not repeat because you know you shouldn't be saying it. Yeah, and even the mean thing, why you say mean thing in the basketball? You can focus <laughs> on the competition of the game. Mean things, like come on, guys. No, right. Like let's let's be real here. All right, NBA season not over yet. It all it's almost over. Not over yet. Teams have made adjustments in the second half, for the, in, not even necessarily the second half, but the last quarter of the season. They got their teams where they like them. They got their rotations where they like them. Golden State seems to be a team who has – they're not necessarily playing like they have the veteran players that they have because they're trying to mix in these young players who are drafted high and these free agents who 
while they might not be as potentially talented as these young players, they do things that help the team more than these young players now. Did you expect Gold? Uh, Steph missed a lot of time this year as well, so I want to hold all the players that play, you know, accountable. Why Steph was not there? They have one of the worst real records. Definitely the house they fall apart. Right. They got a terrible road record this year. I think they got the most road losses ever by a team that just won the fight that was just won the championship. Do you think it's too late for Golden State to kind of get it together so I, I we can get at least to the fifth seed? We know we can be straight. You think it's too late for that for them this year? And they're not too far off from getting to that position. But I don't think Golden State going nowhere this year. I think their first round exit. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did get to fifth. Mm-hmm. But them guys around Steph, they ain't been holding it down. Um, Inconsistency is everywhere, honestly. But if Steph's on the court and he's healthy, you always got a chance. You can't right. count on Steph. He just had 50 the other day. Um, so sure. can't, can't count out what Steph can do. Steve Curry, I respect him, best coach in the NBA. So they have a chance, but I just think it's not the year for the Warriors. Mm. And I know, looking at them winning the championship last year, I know a lot of people thought, you know, they was not to say they were putting a fluke on it, but they were kind of waiting to see what the Warriors did this year to kind of count last year's success, which I think is also unfair right. as well. Wiggins is <laughs> a lot of time. Steph is just a lot of time. Um, but and I mean, those are your two, two main players, right? Yeah, so that's important. No, facts. But just looking at Golden State this year, how they started the year with the Draymond and Jordan Poole controversy, to like say, Draymond get to a point where it's just like he putting out the whole documentary, kind of trying to paint himself in a better light than what he should have been painting as. Like, I don't feel like he took, I don't feel like he held himself accountable for that for real. But even now, you get late to the season. I seen some the other day. People were saying, you know, you could look and just see how, you know, like Steph and Clay, they were kind of not necessarily sick of Jordan Poole, but Jordan Poole don't be looking to pass the ball even with them on the court. Like he doesn't, he will miss, he's missed them a lot of times, even if it's just a pass to move the ball, so he can continue to go one on one. But do you think this has been a and then you throw in Andrew Wiggins and whatever it is that he's going in? I'm not gonna speculate it. I'm not gonna speak on that rumor that was out there because I don't know Andrew Wiggins, so I can't ask him if it's true or not or what he's going through. But he's going through what he's going through. Do you think this was the bit probably the worst case scenario that Golden State was thinking this year? We like just not being able to get it together, throwing injuries, probably not necessarily chemistry issues, but it was gonna be some I'm, I don't really rock with y'all like that for real type of energy. For real, you can see that sometimes out there. I don't think they expected the chemistry issues, and they, it did all start with the Draymond thing. And it's funny you add Jordan Poole, and I mean he's a new dynamic to this championship core that has been there, um, and the things have changed, and he's an important piece, and he's different than what they've had there. He's actually, I mean, he's similar to Draymond. What do you have in Draymond? But he's producing in a different way offensively. Um, so, and then they, they've said how the Draymond thing have, with Jordan Poole even changed, like, his leadership towards the season. And I think that's because he didn't take full accountability. Because if you're fully accountable for it, I think that's the way you really put it in the past and you move on and you don't have to worry about how you move forward. But since I don't think it was handled how it should have, 
the accountability wasn't there like it should have been. That lingers. And then, like I said, you just add the Steph injury on top of that. Like, he's missed time at two different points this year. Right. Um, so, I think it all plays a part. They have to figure out their chemistry issues and what they want to do with some of these young players. I honestly think you, they need to keep the young players that fit, that can produce now. Some of the other ones, I was just, I was just starting making some roster moves. Honestly, because you got to keep this championship window of Steph. It's okay not to win this year. You won last year. Because it's not even, it only like it's necessarily closing like that for Right, you. it ain't closing. But you don't have five years, four years of wait for Jonathan Kaminga to get consistent, for Moses Moody to be consistent, for Jordan Poole to be consistent and not get on everybody's nerves on the team. <laughs> like, you, you got to make some of these decisions. I ain't even saying move Jordan Poole, but... Hey, that's what happens. You win the championship young, you contribute heavy, so you got your Jordan Poole, shout out to everybody that get their check. We don't do no money talking, no pockets watching. If they offer it, sign it. I don't care if you don't want to play for that team, but they put 200 in your face, you better sign it. But it's just crazy that, you know, what can you do when this Actually, I think that goes back to Dane's point about players right. getting money so young that this man kind of can't. He contributed to but y'all. But he did, though, right? Over-contributed <laughs> to y'all did. winning the championship, consistent 20-point games, carrying the team at times when Steph was out. But he gets paid. I mean, he's not even a full-time starter, right. honestly. Not, and he's basically getting paid full-time starter, all-star type money. And he hasn't even shown that he's going to consistently – I mean, he's averaging 20. But he he hasn't shown that he's going to consistently – That's the reason why he's only averaging 20 and not team. like 22. Right. So, but that that's part of the game. So, now you kind of got to – you invested in him. You got to deal with him being him. And he won kind of being him on the court. Now you, you, you championship Jordan. It all lay around everywhere. You can't tell. You can't tell. And then when you the hoop, like I said, that's why I got to say him and the Draymond thing, it's not surprising that they butt heads because he he braggadocious, he talk big, and he out there hooping. It's different when you the guy, you setting everybody up, and you passing, yeah, you talking. But imagine you the guy that's actually doing it. And you and I, don't y'all just, I don't need you for real. Basically, like Steph don't need you. We just play. He just play it off. Jordan Poole be on. Some, I don't play off the ball. I ain't no catch and shoots over here. Like, <laughs> nah, you, I'm, you I'm for the dribble. You contributing to loose. Your eight assists ain't coming to me. So, all right, what we talking about? <laughs> what we talking about? <laughs> like simple as that. Your eight assists again not coming, not coming to me. So what we what we doing? And that's why you get pushed in the face at training camp, right? Not saying he should have. And you can't train him. Not saying him. he should have, but that's why. Draymond was trying to big bro. He's trying to he's trying to big dog him, <laughs> and it went bad because he looked ugly. Because everybody like that, he wasn't even that serious. <laughs> and now he messes up. He put out the documentary talking about trying to be the victim. Now he on already said that the Ryan kind of basically said that he's probably not gonna sign back already. I put any downfall on Golden State over the next three years. I put on Draymond Green. It's all on Draymond. Not, all y'all gave Draymond to too much credit for everything. Facts. You and you've always said it. It's not even a new statement from you. Yeah, so. I stand on Draymond gets too much credit for everything. All right, the Los Angeles Lakers. Y'all hate on Steph. That is why Draymond gets so much credit, but that's a topic for another day. The Los Angeles Lakers, who after getting hot after making what probably was the best trade deadline deals and whatnot, brief after their whole roster, which nobody thought they could do, bringing in a lot of extra help shooting defensively. They've kind of evened out. LeBron's basically probably going to be out for the rest of the year. 
I wouldn't be surprised to see him for like the last 10 games if they're still trying to make that push. They lost the other night on a buzzer beater to Maxi Keebler. Um, after they just beat Dallas a couple weeks ago after the storm and back against them. Anthony Davis, who's looked great, of course, they've sat him. You know, they sat him just because low management and whatnot because that's how they do in the NBA nowadays. But looking at the Lakers realistically, did you think this push would be better at the end for them? Like, a lot of people was not only speaking of them getting the play in, but maybe get to that sixth seed and really causing some damage in the playoffs. Right. And it, it felt like it was there. AD was putting up some monster games. D'Lo came back and he was looking great. Um, and I'm looking at the standings. Like they're, they're still not too far out, but every, sure. every day you lose the time. Uh, I think the LeBron injury just really kind of killed it, though. Even though Anthony Davis was hooping to another level, LeBron was a big piece of what, obviously, right? He's a big <laughs> piece of what they were trying to do. Um, and then you're just trying to figure it all out so quickly. So I do think they're going to finish up in the play-in. And it's just going to be tough to win from the play-in. I think that's an easy first-round exit. But I do think that they can end up right now. They're, they're right behind Utah. I think they they will pass Utah at mm. a minimum and uh, make the play in for sure, though. You remember when people had us thinking Utah was real? Like the first 12, 15 games of the season. Utah, they were up with Portland. No, they ain't. No, they ain't. Portland they, kept going a little longer, though. No, but Utah was. But hey, I will I will give this though, which I always knew that Lori Marketing was a hooper, but he kept it going all year. Yeah. If you don't made, get hurt made, last year, made an All Star team, huh? If you don't get hurt last year in Cleveland, I don't oh, think yeah. they make that trade for yeah, Donovan. Yeah, he was important, and they probably don't it finish was for in the Donovan Mitchell. Last year. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we right. trade him for All NBA right, play, right, so right, it made right, sense. Right, 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 right. But I want to give him his credit because he he's kept Utah to the point where they were. Because my whole thing, as far as what I said, is going to be hard for him to make the All Star team was if they just fall off, and even now they're still in the play in. He had big moments throughout this season to keep them winning to earn that all-star spot and to, like, he might be all-NBA this year. So, definitely want to salute Lloyd Marketing for the season he had. And I knew he was going to have a big year because he went off into, like he said, the Eurobasket. He was hooping all summer. He was getting, getting 40s over there going crazy. Right. And he brought that energy into the NBA. He had nothing but opportunity this year and took advantage of it. And it, I, I would think, depending on where Utah lands in the draft, obviously, if, He's a part if, of their. If, if they a part of that plan, so they don't draft a player that plays his position or a similar style to him. Right. I mean, if, if if you can get a top three to five pick, I don't think it's gonna be anybody that's gonna affect his position. But if I'm a team trying to win, I brought up Portland trying to get Pascal. Like, see what's up with Lloyd Marketing? He works in Portland also. How how do you get? How do you make that happen? I think he would look good uh, next to Dane in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, if the opportunity is there, I don't think Utah gonna give him up. You got a white man that's just been all star in Utah. Oh my God, this what they've been, this what they've been dreaming of. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, just speaking of Utah, you know I'm kind of disappointed in who I didn't hear having a gets bigger year, especially the way he's played over the past few years when he was hurt. Not hurt, but excuse me, when he was healthy, Colin Sexton. I figured him going to Utah would be a good start, but I remember even when I saw the cut, when remember like once again not watching this podcast, but they offered him kind of a guess, not necessarily. Yeah, we, you know, we're super confident in you type contract. It was like four years, eighty million. When players like him was like getting four years, one twenty. Uh, I'm 
I don't know what it is about Kyle Sexton because I know Kyle Sexton is one of those players who I've grown to like. Shout out to him coming from the Metro Atlanta area. But I was never really a big college section fan because I didn't necessarily. I don't commit. I don't care about all that extra dramatics. I know people love the. I always the go back intensity. to the the intensity. They go the back dog to the, the, they the go back. <laughs> they go back to the summer league game where he's balling up his fist on defense with, he was the, with his stick face. They called a foul on that play, right? Like that. They one didn't he, call a foul, but he was fouling like, like crazy. Like that wasn't even necessarily. That's not even necessarily a good defending position to tell the truth. But I've grown to like college section more as time gone on because I feel like he's proven himself as a I don't want to call him a big time scorer but he did average 24 the last time he was healthy like two seasons ago so he definitely was a consistent scorer for a team which is why you made the trade for Donovan Mitchell if you're Cleveland because you know what that player looks like already he teamed up with Darius Garland you needed that but I just felt like this was an opportunity for him to keep his name established amongst the young guards in the NBA yeah, it was there, and you know, early in the year they started off with him backing up Mike Conley, had some injuries. I think Conley has to have a you know a strong summer and come back next year ready to solidify himself again. Like I said, just a couple of years ago, before the injury, twenty plus points per game on some pretty good efficiency. Remember he dang near single handedly beat Brooklyn's big three. Comeback win. I've been watching that game. Right. He like really took off. So, you know, I think Kyle is gonna work hard this summer. He's gonna have a good year next year. More, I think he, well, depending on the draft, will be more in the clear as a starting point guard, starting one of the starting guards. Um, because you gotta see what happened with Clarkson this summer, who's gonna be a free agent, I believe. Mm-hmm. If not, just overall getting moved. So. More opportunity next year potentially for college. So, yeah, I think he has to have a really good summer and coming next year in some good shape right. and, you know, ready to compete for a starting spot. No, I definitely get what you mean by that. I definitely, I definitely did that. So, I want to go over, before we get out of here, go over to Dallas Mavericks, who, like I said, just beat the Lakers by on a buzzer beater for Maxi Keebler. Dallas has been up and down since acquiring Kyrie. They're back in the sixth spot, but we did see them slide. And, of course, we know a lot of that sliding is, you know, defensively because they just don't have enough. They just don't have enough defenders. I'm not – like, it ain't no other way it should code it. I only think it's about scheme or effort or anything. I just don't think they got enough defenders on this team for real. But looking at Dallas, who could be an interesting team because in the playoffs, it does come down to one position. Like, defense is a – I don't want to. Say, I hate to say this. Defense does definitely is a big part of winning championships. But if you don't have a player who can come down and get you a bucket when both teams is on a drought or when the game does get slow, because quote unquote defensive intensity is just at an all time is at super high, which it will be. I think Dallas having two players who you can go one possession games with is going to be real important for them if they can get the right matchup. Right now they got Sacramento, who I feel like is a good matchup for them. Like, I don't think either team is just overly better than the other one. I feel like where you would feel like Sac- with the Sacramento with a player like DeMondis Bones, I feel like Christian Woods and Dwight Powell come, you know, together could kind of do something there defensively, offensively, as I said. Um, whatever you get out of uh, their back, out of your backcourt for Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox, mm-hmm. Malik Beat, Malik Monk, excuse me, and um, K 
Kevin Hoyter, who's hurt right now. You got to get the same out of just Kyrie and Luka. Basically. And then you throw in the shooting, whatever you get from Tim Hardaway, Reggie Bullock. But Josh with Josh Green is their best defender right now, and he does play. He's really good defensively. I will say that. I don't even want to overlook him there. But do you think this this Dallas team can win a series, even if they just stay at the sixth spot? They can definitely win a series. You got to beat Luka four times, so that's going to be tough. I just think they're, they're far away from getting to the conference finals, though. Hmm. Um, and I think over this summer, you lock up Kyrie, you lock down some shooters, get some versatile defenders, a real big man. And I think next year Dallas has a chance to make a run. But you definitely can't count them out of a series when you got two guys that can literally win the game for you. Um, so that's going to be tough to beat. We saw it, it was tough to beat with Luka. So, All right. Yeah, I think they got a good, a good opportunity. Sacramento will pose a real threat because Sabonis is gonna kill them on the board. <laughs> but you know, they, they, I think if anybody can handle the pressure of the Sacramento crowd, pressure of the moment, it's Luka and Kyrie. Right, that was not a perfect. It's not not too many other teams is gonna got two players for that, right? Yeah, they're both average forty, easy in that series. Especially so, might ask because it's gonna be especially in a series like that. It'll be up and down. Up and down series, high scoring. Dallas got a good. They they have a good chance of winning. I probably would pick Sacramento, uh-huh. but Dallas yeah. will have a good chance of winning. Uh-huh. But they, I can see them winning. Can't see them going back to the conference finals. Uh-huh. They just don't have enough necessarily, right. right? Even though it's the same team. But just speaking on Dallas real quick. Of course, we're not in the off season yet, so we don't know what they're playing. I know Kyrie basically said, basically said, you know, just look at this as a rental. And I feel it because you never know what you're going to do in the offseason, so don't even put either one of y'all in positions where it's like, oh, y'all said something, and it's not, then y'all don't do it. But if Dallas does assign Kyrie back, of course they're going to have the you know money so they can make some moves and put a good team around Luka. But if they don't sign Kyrie back, would you look at that trade as a failure or would we try something that was could have been really good and it just didn't work? I wouldn't say it's a failure because – even though you hate to lose Finney, you got off some money from Dinwiddie that wasn't going to necessarily lead you to a championship. Right. And now you have some money. So you have some room to be aggressive. So I wouldn't say it's a failure, but it would just be disappointing because now you're figuring out, all right, what fits the Calvary not stick because the, the basketball fit didn't work. And if that's the case, then you got to start figuring out because you're going to have to put somebody – they don't have to be an equal, but you have to have another all-star, borderline all-star level player uh, to win a championship. Sure. Um, nobody's winning without one. Um, not even Dallas. So I just think that's the thing. So you go with, all right, who do we try to make a move to next? No, yeah, I definitely get what you mean. Like I said, I don't want to call it a failure because you just – I don't look at – even I don't know if this is probably the first time making the same. I don't look at moves like that as failures unless it just unless they play bad together. Right. Because it's like you we ask teams to make these moves. We say teams need to make these moves. We say we want to see owners make their team better and front you know front offices put better players around their star players when you have a player like Lucas. So it's like what well, we did what we were supposed to do. We brought in we got him a player that's of his caliber that can be. Not only a good second piece for him, but he can be the man on. He can be the man himself, especially when we need him to be in. With, you know, on those nights 
when Luca is you know doesn't have it or Luca's not there. But I don't just we I think we gotta stop start doing that too. I know teams do purposely put you know players and teams together to win championships. But if it doesn't happen, it just doesn't happen. I don't think we should consider it a failure. I think we should just consider it what it is, an attempt that, you know, oh, it's still a failure, but it's just what you're supposed to do in the NBA, right? right. Or it's just in, when, like, you're supposed to make these moves, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. But other than that, you got anything else? Uh, no, it's just as uh, Just as always, appreciate the supporters. Um, shout out to all the listeners that listen. They can find us anywhere. Podcasts are available. Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and all those other cool places. Go to YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, search the Hoopers Pod. Make sure you following us on Twitter at Hoopers Pod. Got the Hoopers Pod merch in, so we gonna start flooding the streets with some Hoopers Pod merch just to get in there some stuff. So look out for that soon. But no, I appreciate the supporters as always. That's all I got. All right, with that being said, I'm John W. It's Fresh X. And this is the Hooper's Pod.